can we let our man of God know how much we love and appreciate him? To his wife, Pam, to the whole family. Words cannot express how much I love that man. And thank God for his ministering to all of the leaders here. You know, I'm humbled to be able to come in and stand and minister. You know, you think just being ministers that, you know, you wish you could stand on platforms like this, but then when you understand the responsibility, it becomes a very serious thing. And so today I am just, uh, I, I'm under a different assignment and whoo, I'm, let me just say this, I'm praying for you. Because <laughs> what I got to say, uh, you're going to need some help to digest it. But it's the Lord's will. Yes, Take Back Your Authority is a brand new book, was just released last week or the week before last. You, many of you were here. A couple of years ago, when standing right there, Cindy Jacobs called me out, standing right down there, and said, Isaac Petrie, there's a book that you need to write, and, and basically it's this book. And so it's a response to the prophetic word that she gave right here, I don't know which, I think it was maybe starting a year off right two years ago, and that's the fruition of a prophetic word, and listen, if you can't look at that cover and get ready to take over something, then you ain't kingdom. Look at somebody, you ain't, you ain't kingdom, you ain't kingdom. If you can't just look at the cover, so I brought some there back there in the bookstore, grab you a copy on your way out. I believe it'll be a blessing to your life. Go to Ephesians chapter number one. There's a couple of things I want to share with you. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter number one, verses number one, and then I'm going to skip to chapter number two and read verses five and six. And we're going to start in on verse 19. Well, verse number 18, Ephesians 1, 18, then we're going to drop to chapter number two, verses five and six. Ephesians 1, 18 says, I do want to say, because this is a little special, um, of course, my wife is always with me, basically 24, seven, she's like the Holy Ghost, Where, wherever I am, there shall she be also. And, um, but I, I got my mama with me. My, my, I don't call her my mother-in-law. That's my mama, y'all. And she is a prayer warrior. So stand up, mama. Let them, I want them to see, they always see my wife, but let them see my mama. Oh, it's going down today. I brought back up today, I'm telling you. And so, uh, <laughs> we're so humbled and honored to be here. Ephesians 1 verse number 18, Paul is praying and he prays that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know 
what is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And this is where I want us to focus in. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also that which is to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. And you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, and then skip down to verse number five. And even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Then he parenthetically inserts, by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. Now I'm going to kind of take a snippet from a couple of chapters of the the book and kind of condense them together. And I I want for a a, a topic so that you can just kind of put your mental focus on it. The, The theme today is the ascension dimension. The ascension dimension. What is the ascension dimension? The finished work of Jesus does not stop at the resurrection. The finished work of Jesus stops at the ascension. Until he is seated, he wasn't finished. So the ascension or the seating him in heavenly places was the consummation of redemption. The works were finished when he sat down. Now the reason we must understand this revelation and the reason Paul is praying for us to get this revelation is because he ain't the only one seated. (laughs) The Bible declares and he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. And today is the day you shift into the ascension dimension that I'm going to live my life seated. Now we're headed toward 
Passover and the apostles said that this is a Passover of conquest and you and I both know that you will not take any more ground in the natural than you take in the spirit and so things must be done in another realm before they are manifested in the earth realm that will be done on earth as it is in heaven in order to get the will of God manifested there are some things that have to be done in another realm and you and I were created for that realm now today you have got to determine I'm going to get this because I came today not just for revelation but for impartation which means I'm going to say some things and then I'm going to give you a Selah moment so that you can really get it in you because today we're not going to sing about it, shout about it, talk about it, preach about it today we're going to be about it we're going to shift into something Look at somebody and say, we're going to shift into something. So now you must determine intentionally that I am going to shift into this dimension because this is my birthright. Come on. <laughs> now, the hardest thing it is for us to do the hardest thing that you will ever do in your life is to see and say about yourself what God sees and said about you I want to say that again the hardest thing in this life it's for you to see and say about yourself what God sees and says about you. We have got to begin to see ourselves the way he sees me. Not the way we see ourselves. How does he see me? And I've been searching. I'm on a whole nother journey. I've got a whole new mandate. I am looking for these people throughout the earth who want this. Because where we are going, church folk can sit this one out. Yeah, come on, man. come on, come on. Yeah, you better go there. You better go there. You can just sit this one out. The religious people, you can, you can sit this. Where we are going, it is going to have to take a different kind of believer. Come on, brother. Come on. To manifest in the earth realm to deal with principalities in power. And so this ascension dimension, Paul is praying. He's praying, he's praying that you would get a revelation 
the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Yeah. See, the thing I love about Paul, if you go back when you go home and just skim through Galatians chapter number one, there are some things said in Galatians chapter number one that, 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 that messed me up. Paul says in Galatians chapter number one, this is going to be a different kind of morning. Let me, let me, let me, let me just come on down and get it. It's, it's, he, he said, he, he said, he said, look, listen at this audacity. <laughs> Paul said, the gospel that I preach is not of men. Look at the nerve. <laughs> he, he says the gospel that I preached is not of men. And then he goes further and says, and neither was I taught it by a man. But I received it by revelation. No, you, you, you have to understand. Paul says, what you hear me talking about, I didn't get that from nobody. He says, I got it from God. And then he goes on to say, this is in Galatians chapter number one. You got to read that. You got to read it and meditate. He said, the gospel that I preach is not of man. Neither was I taught it by man, but I received it of revelation. And then Paul says, and when God revealed these things to me, I conferred not with flesh and blood. Wow. Oh my God. Which means when he received it, I always thought all my life that Paul was saying, once you get some from God, you don't need no confirmation from nobody. That's right. That's right. I thought Paul was saying, once God gave me this revelation, I didn't talk to nobody about it because I didn't need no confirmation. I didn't need no validation. I knew what God showed me. I knew what God told me. And I didn't need to talk to nobody else about it. Now that's good enough. But upon further inspection, this is what I come to realize. He said, this gospel I preached wasn't not of man, neither was I taught it from man. I received it by revelation. And when God showed it for me, I conferred not with flesh and blood, which means he did not talk to anybody because he didn't want to. He didn't talk to nobody because did nobody know what he was talking about. That he had had a revelation that he could not bounce it off of nobody. So your Bible says he did not go to Jerusalem. He went back to Arabia, down to Damascus, and for three years he said nothing about what God revealed to him. And after three years, he goes to Jerusalem and he's going to Jerusalem now to unload on Peter what God unloaded in him. And Paul says this revelation was so strong that even though he went down to Jerusalem, he didn't even meet with all the disciples. He only met with Paul. 
I mean with Peter. And for 15 days, him and Peter hung out until he unloaded the revelation. Do you know what it's like for Paul to say, I got something so strong from God that for three years I couldn't talk about it. It took me that long just to unpack it. And after I was able to validate the revelation, I had to go to Jerusalem and tell the original apostles what they didn't know. Now that's, you got to understand, that's, that's a strong apostolic call. Because Paul says, I didn't walk with Jesus. I didn't sit with Jesus. I didn't eat with him. I was not there with him for three and a half years. But God showed me something y'all don't even know. And revealed to me some mysteries that it took Paul to go tell Peter what happened. And what was that revelation? It is what happened after the resurrection. Nobody knew it. Which means the apostles, the original apostles, this is the way the Spirit of the Lord said it to me, they followed Jesus to the cross. But only Paul followed him through the cross. And found out what happened on the other side. And still to this day, I don't know that the body of Christ has went through the cross. We've seen keep me near the cross. And we come to the cross. But the work ain't to get you to it. The work is to get you through it. Because on the other side of the cross was where all of the work was done. And that is the dimension you and I are in. What happened after the resurrection? This is why he's praying. I pray that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. Don't you want to know what happened to you? the resurrection well let me tell you it's a whole lot more than just fire insurance (laughs) come on we pressing into this thing this morning thank God we're not going to hell thank God for that but your redemption has a whole lot more to do with it than you just getting out of hell Paul is praying that we would get a revelation of what happened after the resurrection. And you say, Isaac, Peter, you're going to preach about the resurrection today? It ain't Easter Sunday. And that's the problem with the church. Is that we've been trying to celebrate a day to remember what he did when this ain't about a day. This is about a lifestyle. This is, this is about a dimension you're supposed to live in 24-7, 365. This is about a resurrected dimension. 
to live here. So give me 20 minutes to talk about the resurrection and then 20 minutes to talk about the ascension. If you act right. He says you got to get a revelation, a revelation, a revelation of the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Good God. He says, I'm praying you get a revelation of what happened when Jesus was raised from the dead. He says the reason you got to get a revelation because you got to know what does that mean to you? What does his resurrection mean to you? Now the resurrection is the hinge in which the whole door of faith swings open. But until the Spirit of the Lord reveals some things to me, even I, who had been preaching it for years, did not really understand it. Not because I preached anything wrong. I just didn't preach enough. <laughs> See, the problem with some of you is you got to realize you don't ever know enough. You think you've gotten to some revelations into dimensions and you satisfied to live there. Let me tell you something to every revelation. There is a dimension. This is why he prayed in Ephesians 3 that you may know what is the length, the width, the depth, the height, the length, the width, the depth, the height, the length, the width, the depth, the height. Those are dimensions, which means in God there are dimensions. And to every revelation, there's a dimension in it that you're constantly unraveling, unfolding, constantly seeing clear, going deeper, going higher, going wider. Anybody want to go deeper, higher, wider? Come on, we got to go. And your Bible declares that in the resurrection, what does that mean to you when he raised Christ from the dead? The reason he is praying that we may get a revelation of what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. The reason he says you got to get that revelation because he wasn't the only one raised from the dead. You got to give a revelation of what happened to him so you'll know what happened to you. Because here is what we've got to grasp. That you and I, the Bible says, have been raised up together. So there are two things that we got to deal with. You got to deal with being raised up. Up together and then raised up to sit in heavenly places look at somebody and tell them say you've been raised twice it was a double dimension of raising the first raising was from the dead and then the other raising was to ascend into the heavenly places and be seated 
So until you have been raised twice, you have not functioned completely in salvation. See, some of you, just some of you, not all of you, just some of you have fallen for the deception that all you were is a sinner saved by grace. I came to tell you that it's not correct. (laughs) You were a sinner. Now you're saved by grace. Which means something happened to you. And Paul is praying that you get a revelation. What is the revelation, Paul? That you have been raised from the dead. Look at somebody and say, did you know you were raised from the dead? Yeah, you. You were raised from the dead. Yes, you. You were raised from the dead. I see how you're struggling. So let me ask you this question. Was Jesus raised from the dead? Okay, well, if he was raised from the dead and God raised us up together, it means you had to be too. Except you might not have known when you were raised from the dead because you are thinking physically. This is not about you being raised from the dead physically. You were not raised from the dead physically. Other people were raised from the dead physically. The widow of Zarephath's son, the Shunammite woman's son, the man thrown in Elisha's tomb, the widow of Nain's son, Jairus' daughter, Lazarus coming back from the dead. Those were all physical resurrections. The only difference between them is that those were physical resurrections that still had dead spirits in them. This raising from the dead that we're talking about is what happened to your spirit. That the revelation you have got to get today is that you when you received Jesus entered into his resurrection which means you don't even get Jesus as your Lord without getting your spirit resurrected now some things are going to make sense because we've been saying them for years. You remember Nicodemus, 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 Nicodemus couldn't sleep at night. He was mesmerized in Jesus in John chapter number three. He gets up out of the bed in his pajamas. Well, I mean, I'm parenthetically uncertain. And he goes out in the middle of the night. He finds him in secret because he's a Pharisee and he cannot endorse Jesus' ministry. And he walks up to Jesus and he says, I know you are a teacher 
come from God because nobody can do what you do except God be with him. And Jesus cut right through the chase, took him out to the deep end of the pool and dropped him in the water and said, marvel not, I say unto you, you must be born again. Born again. Nicodemus say, what are you talking about? Can a man enter a second time into his mother's womb? And Jesus says, Nicodemus, I'm not talking about physical birth. He says, that which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not, I say unto you, you must be born again. Which means what you didn't realize, this you call being born again isn't figurative it is literal that what happened to your spirit when you met Jesus is he totally resurrected the thing totally gave your spirit a brand new birth. Therefore, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When did that happen? When you came to Jesus, which means the thing that Jesus offered you was a resurrected spirit. The thing that happened to you when you got born again was the raising of your spirit from the Put your hand on yourself and say, I've been raised from the dead. See, the reason you have to understand this is because Jesus' resurrection was not about a man going in a tomb physically and coming back out physically. If it was just a physical resurrection, Lazarus was dead one day longer than Jesus. Jesus was only dead three days and three nights. Lazarus was four days and stinking. He had Jesus beat by one day. But this is not about a man just coming back out of the grave physically. He can't be the firstborn from the dead physically because many had been born again. He is the firstborn from the dead because he who knew no sin had to become sin for us so he could die a sinner, pay the price for sin, and then get resurrected. Oh, child of God, listen to me. Listen to me. The resurrection of Jesus was about the resurrection of his spirit. His body was in Joseph's tomb. Let me back up. Let me not rush this. Let me take my time work through here because some of you, you need to get this because if you get this, everything shifts. 
Jesus is on the cross and he says some strange things. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What is happening in that moment on the cross? It's Jesus' spirit is dying. Not just his body. His spirit is dying on the cross. Why? He has to be made sin for us. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got to know this. You've been singing about it for the last 40 years. You got, you got to know this. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. The mystery that was hidden from ages and generations was how God was going to resurrect dead spirits. Because in Adam, we all died. What is he talking about? When Adam ate of the free, he cursed us all to spiritual death. Spiritual death is not natural death. Natural death is to be absent from the body. So natural death is when the spirit leaves the body. Spiritual death is when God's nature leaves the spirit. And what happened when Adam, when he died, it was a spiritual death. He lived to be 930 years old. But the moment he ate of the tree, God withdrew his presence, his glory, his nature, his life out of Adam's spirit. And for 4,000 years, humanity were just dead men walking. Until Jesus showed up. And Jesus is coming to the earth because he's coming after the spiritual condition of humanity. Because sin is the result of being spiritually dead. If Adam hadn't have died, you and I would have never sinned. We would have never had a headache. We would have never had anxiety. Everything that happened to us that entered our spirits through Adam, this is Romans chapter number five and six I'm preaching to you. It happened through Adam. It was our spiritual condition. And Jesus comes into the earth to resurrect that thing. And your Bible declares in order to do that, he has to become sin. He has to pay the price and his spirit has to die. Now you know, my God, we might not get to the ascension. I think we're going to get stuck on the resurrection. Now, now you understand why Jesus is struggling in Gethsemane. He is in the garden of Gethsemane until he is sweating blood. At 
what the thought of dying not physically come on he had raised people from the dead you think he's scared of death he spoke to Lazarus said come forth and he didn't even unwrap him he just came out mummified this ain't no man scared of physical death come on preach this was something deeper because for the first time he was about to experience being separated from God. For the first time he is about to lose his mind. He is about to lose the glory. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost in here. He is about to go through sin. He is going to have to be made sin. And he goes to the garden and he says, Father, is there any other way to do this? And for three times, he goes and prays at the thought, can I do this? Is there another way other than me having to die and lose my image, my glory, my nature? And then your Bible says he pressed to, to the point where he finally got to the place where he says, not my will, but your will be done. And your Bible declares for the joy set before him. He says, I can do this. What was the joy set before him? Look at somebody and say, it was you. See, some of y'all don't know how to preach. You looked at somebody and said, it was you. Ain't no anointing on you. It's you. saying if I've got to die in order for them to live I'm willing to do it y'all don't hear what I'm saying and so now he's on the cross and then he cries my God my God my God my God why have you forsaken me it is the first time that he is experiencing the withdrawing of God's presence why because sin is starting to enter his spirit and while they're looking in the natural something totally different is going on in the spirit he is becoming sin for us his spirit is now contracting disease and oppression and fear and anxiety and lust and perversion and every wicked thing that was ever in the spirit of a dead man is now coming into him and the father's withdrawing his presence and then your Bible declares the moment came where he said, Father, into your hands I commit my. 
<laughs> Not my body. I commit my spirit. And he gave up the. And died. What was that statement about? It was the greatest declaration of faith ever uttered. When he declared, Father, I trust you with my spirit. What was that about? It was about the conversation that he had already had from the foundations of the earth. That in order to redeem mankind, he would have to die to pay the price because one man got us in it and another man's going to have to get us out of it. It was about him saying that I will be in the heart of the earth as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and nights. So shall the son of man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. And it was Jesus telling the father before I totally yield to death you sure you got me and what he must have heard back was son I got you and he yielded to death and he died child of God quit focusing on his body because when he gave up the ghost his body went limp on the cross but his spirit leaped out of him and went down into the underworld And your Bible declares, he says, I'm going to be there for three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. His body is in Joseph's tomb, but he is in the heart of the earth. And he's down there as a dead spirit. And Satan and all the principalities and powers of the earth says, we got him. Maybe he wasn't that much after all. Because he's down in the region of the damned. He didn't go into the presence of the Lord. No, he went into the earth into the realm of departed spirits see you have to understand when everybody died since adam the moment their spirits left their bodies they couldn't go into the presence of god because they were spiritually dead and spiritual death in his essence means separation from god and so the bible declares that they were all down there Abraham was there and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. All of them were down there. David, all of them major prophets, minor prophets. They were all down there, all down there, all down there. And Jesus is right down there with them. Because he went into hell a dead spirit. 
night one, nothing happened. And the principalities and powers were rejoicing because Jesus gave them trouble when he was on the earth. The reason he gave them trouble on the earth is because Jesus could not be dominated by Satan because his spirit wasn't dead. And so he cast out devils and he opened blind eyes and he unstopped deaf ears. He spoke to winds and waves showing us the superiority of what a living spirit looks like wrapped in flesh in the earth realm. But your Bible declares in order to redeem us, he had to become sin. And when he became sin, he died. His spirit is down there. Night one, nothing happened. And principalities and powers were saying, the troublemaker is just as dead as everybody else. You have to understand death was undefeated. <laughs> Once again, I'm not talking about natural death. The widow of Nain's son was raised naturally. I'm talking about spiritual death. That once spiritual death got a hold of humanity from Adam, nobody had ever been able to shake loose spiritual death once your spirit died it stayed dead and it was that way it was that way it was that way for night two and nothing happened nothing happened nothing happened nothing happened still a dead spirit now at this point some scholars believe it happened the moment he came into the grave that he was resurrected immediately and then spent three days in a revival other scholars believed it happened after three days. I have to admit to you, I was not there. So I don't know when it happened. But I do know it did happen. But knowing my father like I do, who always likes to flex his muscles, I believe he was there for three days and three nights and nothing happened. Day three happened and demons were still having a party. But then after that third night, something happened that had never happened in the history of the world. You are about to see a dead spirit come back to life again. I'm preaching your Bible to you you are about to witness a resurrection not of a body but of a spirit coming back to life again and the resurrection of Jesus lay your hands on your head and say I got to get a revelation of this so now 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 watch this your Bible declares something happened after that third night. Somebody says, wait a minute, Reverend, that ain't what I heard. I heard it was three days. I don't care what you heard. I'm telling you what Jesus said. He said that Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights. So tell son of man, be in the heart of there. After three nights, your Bible declares 
that some force showed up in hell. What was it the Holy Ghost walked in? the truth. Look at somebody and ask them, can you handle the truth? This is in your Bible. The Holy Ghost walked right in the hell's kitchen to show every principality and power that what God wants to do, he don't even need the devil to move out of the way. He'll do it right in his face. to tell you, you keep praying for the enemy to move. It don't matter whether he move or not. God will prepare a table before me, right in the presence of my just cause the devil is there don't mean he can stop what God wants to do. God's got power to do it right in his faith. Somebody shout and let the devil know we coming. The Holy Ghost walked into the underworld. You say, where you get that, Reverend? That we may know what is exceeding greatness of his power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. How did he do it? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the... Y'all don't hear what I'm saying? The Holy Ghost walked in there. And with one blast of glory, God resurrected. Jesus right in hell's kitchen. You got to see this. How glory filled the underworld. And like the matrix, he just goes through this can I preach it like I feel it and when the glory lifts up off of him Satan looks and says oh my God what have we done and Jesus says this is the mystery that I've been holding back from ages and generations that I was going to come down here watch this now watch this Watch this. Let me calm down. Let me watch. He goes. And Jesus is resurrected. He ain't even picked up his body yet. It's still in Joseph's tomb. He'll be there to get that in a minute. But he ain't even going to pick up his body yet. Why? Because he got business down here. 
because what he told the devil is I didn't come down here just to resurrect me I came down here to get everybody out and y'all coming out of here today and your Bible declares that right in the middle of hell people were resurrected He led captivity captive, preached to the spirits of prison, and totally spoiled principalities, power, might, dominion, and every name that is named. Jesus emptied hell that day. And your Bible declares that they all came up out of the underworld. Jesus comes back through the earth, scoops up his body. Mary shows up at the tomb and the angel says, ain't no use you seeking the living among the dead he has risen just like he said but what they didn't understand it wasn't that his body came out of the tomb he came out spirit soul and body resurrected showed up to his disciples and says guys I got some for you what you got for me Jesus he lifted up his hands and he breathed on them. Oh my God. Put your hand on your head. I got to quit. I got to quit. I didn't even get to the ascension. <laughs> we hear Passover, right? <laughs> Watch this. Watch this. This is why Paul says, he says, God showed it to me. He 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 showed to me the mystery of how God raised him from the dead. He raised him from the dead. He raised him from the dead. Why do you have to get this revelation? Because the ministry of Jesus to you, hear me, is to raise you from the dead. This little elementary, and don't get me wrong, because I'm not the type of person to down the body of Christ. I love the body of Christ and all of his facets. But this pediatrics, this, this Similac, this, this Gerber and Infamil that we've been talking about that all I got was just eternity in heaven. Let me tell you something. You got way more than eternity in heaven. You got eternity in heaven downloaded on the inside of you. And Jesus did not come so we could have church. He came so he could raise you from the dead. And listen, if you're going to shift into taking your cities, taking your families, taking nations, it will not happen by human effort and human sweat and all of our ideas and plans. Come on, y'all. We got more plans, more churches. We got social media. We got mega churches. We got all of that, and we're losing more spiritual ground because while people are trying to be famous with personalities, God is looking for 
people who want to be famous with Prince of Power. He's looking for people who gonna show up in a realm and tell the devil, you got to deal with me. So, so, stand up. So I guess I will have to do the rest at Passover. Here is the point. Here's what I want you to understand. The Lord spoke to me and he says, Isaac, y'all have got to switch the positions. He says, even though I'm honored that y'all worship me, y'all shout about me, y'all rejoice in me. He says, what y'all don't understand is what I'm doing about y'all. That everything y'all are ascribing to me, I'm over here ascribing to y'all. That I was only the firstborn from the dead. But I was the firstborn among many brethren. And we will never shift the earth until you not only start shouting about Jesus' resurrection, but you start shouting about your own. what you look like in the realm of the spirit he says I'm praying you get a revelation of what the resurrection means to you what the ascension means to you why because I raised you up together that word raised is the Greek word gyro. It means to awaken, to quicken. He says, when I got up, you got up. And the same spirit that raised me from the dead raised you from the dead. And I'm sorry <laughs> if didn't nobody tell you. What happened to you when you got born again? I know when I was raised from the dead, it was August the 20th, 1988, sitting on my mother's couch. Beyond the religion, beyond the form, I said, God, if you are real, change me. Something happened to me that day. And I don't know what it's like to backslide or the moonwalk or, or none of that. I don't know nothing about going back. Something happened to me where every day with Jesus has become sweeter than the day before. I ain't thinking about going back. Don't want to go back. I'm ready to press into the dimensions, the length, the width, the depth, the height. I don't want the world nor the things of the world. And now I know what happened. He resurrected my spirit. 
Now here's the thing you're going to have to receive. This resurrection, when he talks about it and he raised us up together, it means that the same way Jesus' spirit was resurrected is the same way yours and mine was resurrected. It doesn't lack of anything. That death was totally obliterated in your spirit. Which means in your resurrected spirit, there is no sin. <laughs> Done. Blast it out. Totally destroyed. Obliterated. You really do have a brand new nature. You see, but you say, come on, put your hand on your head. Come on, help me. You say, well, I know what you're thinking. Then what's wrong with me? <laughs> Look at your neighbor. Say, you might have a resurrected spirit, but you have an unrenewed mind. Which means the real battle for me is not even with the enemy. If I could have got to the ascension, you so far above him, it's an insult for him to get your attention. You so far above him, you say then what's if I'm so far above him, what's all this warfare about? Because a dethroned enemy, a defeated enemy, doesn't mean an inactive enemy. He's testing you about what you know. In every attack on your life, is him testing do you know who you are because while we're playing and not understanding the enemy is hell-bent on stealing from us who we really are but after today Somebody shout over. I was walking around my house the other day and I was singing. Hallelujah. You have won the victory. That's why I was just walking around singing that. I was just singing that. I was just singing that. Go to the key that y'all sing that in. 
um, if you would, Chad. I was just walking around singing that, just singing that, just worshiping. Oh, Father, you're so amazing. I was just worshiping, worshiping. Just blessing him, just, 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 just in euphoria. Death could not hold you down. I mean in the glory, in the glory. You are the risen king. Just, just in the glory, just in the glory, just in the glory. Do you know that, Chad? If, if, if not, come on, come, come up there and help him because you got to get this before you walk out of this door. Because this is what I came to tell you. This is it. This is it. This is it. Matter of fact, sing just a little bit of that, James, while you're up there. Might well put him to work. Come on, just sing just a little bit of it. Just sing that chorus for me. Come on, sing it. Come on, sing it. You have won the victory. Thank you, Chad. Come on, declare. You have won it all for me. Come on, declare it. Death could not hold you down. You are the reason. Come on, we'll be leaving in just a moment. Those that are watching, just stay with us. Seated in majesty. Yes. You are the One more time. King. Death could not hold you down. Death could not hold you Could not hold you down, oh Lord. You are the reason, King. Seated in majesty. just worshiping and the Holy Spirit said hey Isaac while you singing that to me I'm singing that to you because he didn't just raise me up he raised us up together and this song is about who you are Death could not hold you down. And because of that, I need you to declare this. Declare because I have been raised up. No death is allowed in my life. Everything around me has to get up. It has to be raised up. I am resurrected. Death could not hold you down. Think about it. Think about it. You are the risen king. This is what the Father is saying to you. You're seated in majesty. Put your hands on yourself. You are the risen king. I'm telling you, he was singing it over me. He was singing it over me. Death cannot hold 
any man be in Christ he is a new creature and those that are watching me if you want to be born again right now now you know what it is now you know how to overcome sin and struggles and issues pray this prayer with me right now with no sweat this is by the grace of God say right now father I give you my spirit resurrected I want to be born again and I declare you to be the Lord of my life. And I'm here to tell you it is just that simple. Like I was sitting on my mother's living room couch. Something happened to me. Old things were passed away. And behold, all things became new. And now you have the power to conquer the enemy. To conquer sin. To conquer strongholds the resurrection was your independence day and anybody who has received it shout and let those people know that greater is about to come in their life because of Jesus death could not hold Because somewhere in somebody's mind, they're struggling with the thought. But if I do this, if I say it, if I try to see myself like this, doesn't that take away what Jesus did? Doesn't that steal his glory? <laughs> that ain't stealing his glory. That's giving him glory. Jesus says, this is what I died for. This is what I came for. 
to release you on the enemy to let principalities and powers know the same way you couldn't defeat me you can't defeat them and oh and I came to tell you you've got the authority now take it back in Jesus name all right I'm done I'm done I'm done for real just lift up your hands. Woo, Jesus. Father, we're a grateful people. We're grateful for your gifts. We're grateful for this gift. The gift of your son. The gift of new life. Lord, we thank you for that new beginning that you are faithful to keep that to make it whole to secure it so we thank you for that victory Lord, we thank you for Passover oh my God. for where you're carrying us to and through the taste we've had today, Lord, that you'd continue to develop that taste, that word, Lord, like a wine that ferments and gets better and better. Lord, this word, we thank you that it is fermenting in our hearts, our minds, our spirits. And at Passover, it will have a new splendor, Woo, Jesus. a new depth, oh a new God. beauty, a new life. Mm. Lord, we thank you, we treasure, we bless your word and your spirit. In Jesus' name. Go forth, be blessed. We'll see you. One more thing, I'm sorry, Brad. One more thing before we go. I have to, we have to acknowledge this because we are a prophetic house. Several weeks ago, there was a word that came out, that came forth from here, that we would be in 120 days of being of decreeing a sound mind today is that hundred and twentieth day thank you Barbara for reminding me now listen if you don't have a sound mind after this message today it's, it, somebody need to lay hands on you so sir you have set us on course thank you sir so listen I just want y'all to leave this place not the same you have a new mind. Be renewed and go forth in power. You want to know why? Because God has not given you a spirit. Ain't no fear in it. Ain't none in there. But a power, love, and a sound mind. Somebody shout, I'm taking back my mind. Because it ain't in my spirit. Rejoice. My God. My God in heaven, death could not hold you down. You are the risen King. Yeah. Seated in majesty. Oh, you are the risen.
like you're resurrected. King. 